This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. My name is Jessica. I am here with my bestie, Laurie Wallace. Hey, hey. And we are joined here by our friend Marie, who we're so excited to talk to. Um, But before we get started with this week's episode, um, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for joining us again this week. Um, we have so many exciting things to talk about. Don't forget, you can always like, rate, review. That's what helps us climb the charts. Find us on Instagram, on Facebook, TikTok. We're on Patreon. Wherever it is, you can find us there. So, Laurie, who's our badass of the week? So, guys, this is really kind of feels like a weird full circle moment right now. <laughs> I'm going to try not to geek out on it a little bit. Our badass of the week is none other than don't keep your day jobs, Miss Kathy Heller. Right on. What? <laughs> Kathy Heller? Are you kidding me? So I did not know who Kathy was until, I don't know, maybe like a year and a half ago, yeah. I started listening to her podcast Yeah, that's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. I did not realize when I started listening to this podcast that it was going to result in me right. not keeping my day job. Like it's totally <laughs> like not shifting our whole life. Yeah. Like it's not why I started listening, but I was intrigued. I was like, what is this show? And who is this lady? And I want to know more. Yeah. And so Kathy is a, um, musician, you know, by trade and had found this niche in helping to inspire people to turn what they love into a business. And so the more that I followed her podcast and started listening to some of the different ways that she runs and structures her business, I fell in love with this idea that she wanted to take what people come to naturally and monetize it and turn it into something that like, yeah, it was work because it was making you money, but that it doesn't have to be work, that you can just like fall into the flow of doing what comes naturally to you. And that's where your magic is and that people will pay you really well for that. It's just a matter of like whittling it down to something that is marketable, you know? She's a freaking genius. She's brilliant at it. (laughs) And like listening to her jam with her clients and like talk to people on the podcast, like it was so crazy inspiring to me at a time where we were just starting to slide the pieces into place with Badass Ladies Club. And then y'all know the rest of the story. If you don't, you can go back through the last 57 episodes and it's all there for you. So yeah, Kathy Heller, I am so inspired too by her mission that she wants to create an army of women millionaires, billionaires. Like if the women aren't going to have the money, who's going to take the money? You know, like, of course it needs to go to driven, inspiring, passionate women, you know? And so that, that, that is her mission. I was like, I rise to the occasion, Kathy Heller. Like I will be one of your lady millionaires. And did we not meet Marie? Absolutely. Like connection. Yes. That's what I thought. So many people, so many people. Yeah get confused on the badass ladies club are through Kathy (laughs) Heller's uh, program. So 
Kathy Heller, you are a badass lady. We want you on this podcast. We're going to haunt you until you get on, on here. Come on this show. <laughs> um, and now I want to talk about a new badass lady that we're bringing you guys today. Marie, how the heck are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. You guys, Marie is the host of Ordinary to Badass. We did not know each other before we found each other in the Kathy Heller orbit. And, and then we when, both have podcasts yeah. with badass in it. And, but badass is kind of our vibe. Like, friends forever. <laughs> so tell us, how did you come to naming your podcast yes, Ordinary <laughs> Badass? Tell me. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I was just like, I went to some conference and I it said like, name your brand, kind of what your, so that everybody would know what it is when they hear it, what they would know what it is before that point, calling myself a badass would have been like off limits. I wouldn't have done it, you know? Um, but I was just kept sitting there thinking and then somehow ordinary to badass popped up and there we go. That's so cool. I love it. I also love that your whole story is like this realization that you are actually a badass, you know, that self-proclaimed. Right. And that moving from being ordinary into this shift of becoming a badass, like that's been a big transition for you. And what you're doing is shining a light on other badass people on your podcast. Like it's so cool how we kind of have the same gig, but it's also like really different in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it's so funny because I've been a police officer for 15 years. And even as a police officer, I never would have considered myself a badass. Other people looking oh in would have been like, oh, you're a badass. Right. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. You know, like I just I wouldn't I just didn't feel like it and I wouldn't claim it. But then, you know, really through my journey and paying off debt, it just taught me like, no, you are a badass. And that allowed me to claim it. Um, but I also realized badassery comes from like confidence comes from mindset but it doesn't come from outside things like a gun or a motorcycle or a right. leather jacket you know it really comes from inside I mean I don't know I feel pretty badass in my leather jacket if I'm being honest <laughs> I mean I live in mine however so. yeah I <laughs> love but you own it but so Marie is like she said she's a police officer, officer and is in law enforcement you're also a financial coach which we're going to get around to this thing yes. you mentioned paying off the debt but it's like really a powerful story and then yeah. you're also a health coach you're also a podcaster like you have oh like God. Lots of hats going on, right? Tell us what's made you so versatile in being able to like jump into these different identities. Um, I really think it starts with confidence and just figuring out one thing that works for you and then knocking over that domino. So just show up every day, be consistent and persistent, and just keep attacking it. If you mess up, okay. You know, but I think once you finish one thing and you're like, oh. I made a lot of mistakes along the way and I still got to where I am. It kind of gives you the confidence to try something else and be okay with failing. I'm also way inspired by this idea that like you can do lots of things because I think for yeah. so long I operated into this idea that I was like just a makeup artist. I know. Or I'm just, I'm just this one thing, you know, yes. and that like bouncing out of that and being like, well, I could also be this and I can be that. I like, I can simultaneously be lots of things at once and that's okay. Um, that's kind of a new thing. What do you, what's your estimation on that, Marie? There's no limits. 
really the only limits where we have is the ones that we're putting on ourselves or what we think society expects from us. But I think that if it sparks creativity, if it sparks joy for you, then do it. Who cares what somebody else on the outside thinks, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But then also I think it's important to realize I didn't start out doing all these things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? For a long time, I just did law enforcement and I didn't see the other possibilities. So kind of give yourself patience and do it. But so you can do one thing. And then when you feel comfortable with that, try another thing. Then when you're comfortable with that, try another thing. But you don't have to be where somebody else is. You can just start where you are and then what you're comfortable with. Now, yes, you want to break out of your comfort zone at some point, you know, but start, get comfortable with it. Then you can add another thing into the mix and then get comfortable with that. Add another thing into the mix. Cool. So let's start with your story. Um, So, yes, we've discussed you're a police officer. But so how did this like badass financial coach. Well, we need, yeah. Coach. We need to touch the debt. Let's, t- let's yeah, tackle let's the, the debt, debt thing first. And I'm kind of fascinated by the debt thing because right now we are working our way through this like financial money course that we're in. Teach me your ways. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that being in debt has a lot of like weird shame connotation around it. And that it, it does seem to like keep you stuck where you are and you were in a significant amount of debt and felt really stuck and decided to make some changes. So tell us a little bit about that part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So I paid off $106,000 in debt in just under two years. And I was so mortified, so ashamed of having so much debt. Actually, I wouldn't have even been able to tell you my number, you know, because I just kind of stick your head in the sand, don't pay attention kind of thing. But then it's like, the pain gets too much. You can't keep doing what you're doing because it's like, you know, you're not going to survive it. Or you know that, you know, it's going to catch up with you at some point. So when the pain got too much, I'm like, okay, something has got to give. Like, it meant a lot to me to pay my bills on time. And then when I started having issues, you know, paying my bills on time, I was like, that's not me. That's not the type of person I want to be. And then I was also in a marriage and I was not happy. And I wanted to, um, if I wanted to get a divorce, I was like, okay, I need to be able to stand on my own financially. Mm -hmm. So that was another part of it. It's like another motivator to get my butt moving was, okay, you know, if you want to get a divorce, if you want to pay off debt and do all these other things with your life, then you're going to have to learn how. So it was a hard road just figuring it out. And I think a lot of that was my mindset, just thinking I'm not smart enough to do a budget or Mm. I'm not good at math, you know, Mm. those kind of things. But once I figured it out, it was like not smooth sailing, but it was much easier having a plan going forward. Oh my God. I tell myself those things daily. How many times have I said that, Laura? All the time. I'm like, (laughs) stop, reel it in. Like, okay. So let's get to this. Like, okay. $106,000 in two years is significant Marie. Like that uh, yeah. is no kidding. Like I would have been like, okay, so my 14 year plan, playing <laughs> right. off this, you know, like, so how did you do that? Like how? Well, I started working overtime, like a mad woman, okay. you know, working as much overtime as I could. Mm-hmm. I started selling things, um, just to pay off the debt. And so I wouldn't have that same amount. So some of it was like a suburban I had okay, sold the Suburban and got a decent amount of cash back and, you know, use that to paying off debt. And then it was just having a plan, like finding my smallest debt to my largest debt 
and paying off the smallest debt first, and then everything else I'd pay the minimum payment. And I just kept doing that, and it's um, like a snowball, snowball. and it yeah. just keeps getting bigger and bigger the amount that you're paying off. Nice. So what it sounds like to me, because there's like obviously like technical things that you did that help you get to this goal, but it really all started with this idea that you believed that you could chip away at this number, you know, and give yourself an opportunity to start a new life and that you had to like have faith and believe in yourself first. And then the things just started to come in front of you that allowed you the opportunity to make the money to pay off the debt. Well, yeah, because how many people... Uh, myself included, would have probably been like, well, this is my life now. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is me and I have this debt I've... forever. Like, that's what I would be tempted to do. I'm not like, I'm not kidding. I yeah, would be no. tempted if to I... just roll over and yeah. accept it. Yeah. Yeah. That this is me. Well, I don't even know that I had the confidence in the beginning. Actually, I'm, I know I didn't have the confidence in the beginning. I just knew that my situation was so dire or felt so painful to me or so unaligned with who I was mm -hmm. that I wasn't willing to keep doing that. Mm, that's so, so that's deep. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to kick and crawl and scrap whatever I had to do to like get out of that situation to figure it out because it was just, you know, it was not a good place to be and it just didn't align with me. So sometimes you just have to do that. You just have to dig in and no matter how hard it seems or even if you don't understand it, you know, just keep trying and then eventually you're going to figure it out. Uh, that's so appropriate yeah. for everything Laurie and I are going through totally. right now. We yeah. have been talking majorly about living in alignment. You have to like yeah. it because it's so painful to live out of alignment. We tell ourselves it's not, but yeah, like it's really, really hard to operate out of alignment. When you did it in two years, did it like blow your own mind? <laughs> Were you like, oh my gosh, look at what I just did. Like... <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I did not. I would never have thought that was possible. Like, there's no way if you would have asked me, you know, I would have been like 10 years or something. I don't right, know. Right. Right. Yeah. The same. <laughs> so then, like the whole thing is once you get some traction, then you get like excited. You're like, oh, I can do this, you know, and you just keep getting a little bit more traction. And then in the beginning, I wasn't willing to like stop getting my hair done or I wasn't willing to not go get coffee once in a while. But then once I started seeing like, the traction, I stopped going to Starbucks. I stopped mm. going to get my hair done mm -hmm. until I paid off the debt um, just because I got so motivated. But the motivation came after seeing right. a little bit of success. Well, it became addicting, yeah, I'm sure. That it's yeah. that having um, the forward momentum and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel makes everything else not feel like a sacrifice. Then all of a sudden you're like, well, let's just keep piling it on until we can get rid of this, you know? Like, the freedom on the other end of that is so alluring. Um, and I bet that now that you're a financial coach, you see that same transition in your clients that you work with, you know, like that, you know, if you can get them past that critical mass point where they start to see the progress, that then they'll kick it into gear and go ahead and finish up. Yeah. The rest of that. Exactly. And then it's just amazing to see all the dominoes that they can knock down after that because it just like, it puts something else in you, you know, or it gives a different fight for you because you know that you can do it or you have more confidence that you can do it. And so it makes it so much easier to conquer other things in your life. Yeah. And being a coach, like you can't be a coach unless you've been in somebody's shoes and you kind of know what they're going through to a certain extent, mm -hmm. um, that you're able to share that. And so I love 
it's one of my favorite things about your story, right? Is like, there's these things in your life that you're dissatisfied with that you're like, yeah, this isn't an alignment and not what I want to do and who I want to be. So I'm going to fix it. And then when you fixed it, you're like, okay, so now I want to help other people fix it. You know, like it was so rewarding. That's powerful. Thank you. And and then I would also say though, there were so many years before that, that I did nothing. So if you're in the place where you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you don't know what the next step is, or you're like, Oh, I've been in a rut for the last five years. I have been there. You can get out of it. Like just because that's how you were yesterday doesn't mean that's how you have to be today. And you just start from where you are right now. So, so good. So then let's talk about health coaching. Like where did that come from? (laughs) That came from a necessity. Like I have my whole life went underweight, overweight, underweight, overweight. (laughs) And I was so sick of it. It's like, I don't want this to be a struggle anymore. So initially it came selfishly for something that I could figure out for myself. And I also had like really bad back issues and pain. And so I was just like, okay, I don't want to be, you know, 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, still having these same problems with my health and with my weight. So I just wanted to figure it out once and for all. And actually, I think that there are a lot of similarities between finances and health. And maybe it's not immediately obvious to people, but there are definitely a lot of similarities. Yeah, totally. So in your health coaching and the things that you've learned from that, what advice would you give to somebody that was working on their weight, their fitness, their health? I would definitely say there's a concept of bio-individuality and it's, all about one size doesn't fit all. Like you don't have to do a diet that everybody else is doing. Just because it's a commercial diet doesn't mean that it's the best diet for you. And really, I think that we forget we can be an advocate for ourselves and for our own our own health. We don't have to listen to the doctors or the experts. We really can listen to our own body and how we're feeling and what we know feels best for our body. And if we go to an expert that doesn't align with that, you can find somebody else or you can do your own research. There's so much that you can do that is best for you that a doctor might not tell you. So I think it's really just being your own advocate and doing what you know is right for yourself. No, I I love this concept. And when we were doing our pre-interview, we talked a little bit about this. Being a hairstylist, I talk to women all day about diets. Everyone Mm -hmm. is obsessed about a freaking diet. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm speaking from a place of privilege because I'm a tall, like you're just naturally lean, yeah. Lean Mm -hmm. person. But um you know I, I talk to so many women on a daily basis who are killing themselves over these diets, whole 30, keto. Keto, yeah. Um all these things that aren't necessarily like meant for your body. You know, um, there's research out there saying that like keto is meant for epileptic kids or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I'm not an expert. I'm just saying like (laughs) that I read that somewhere and I'm not saying that's like fact, but, um, you know, that I'm like, well, then what, how are you? I was just talking to someone about it yesterday that she's on this Octavia, Octavia, whatever Mm -hmm. it is stuff. Um, that's kind of like this MLM, thing that she's doing. And I was like, okay, so what happens when you lose the weight? You're still only going to eat a snack every two and a half hours for the rest of your life. And she was like, Oh no, I figured if I just eat healthy, once I lose the weight, that it'll be fine. I'm like, 
I think you're going to like crash and burn, honestly. Like I don't, I just, so I love this concept of bio-individuality and that you really need to find what works for your body. Well, and like what you said at the very beginning of us talking about the health coaching, it was that you like listen to your body. Right. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, wow, like that's so much easier said than done that in my experience, listening to your body is like one of the hardest things because it diet culture and in general teaches us to like hate our body and to judge our body and to not listen to your, if you're hungry, you don't eat because you're trying to lose weight. Or if you're full that you don't stop eating because that's not what you're feeding, you know, like you're feeding something different and that hearing your body when it's talking to you, like, yeah, if we could just learn how to do that, which is one of the things I love about the intuitive eating concept of diet culture, you know, is like really deciding, are you hungry when you're hungry? When are you not hungry anymore? Like what sounds good to you? What doesn't sound good to you? And like really trusting this biodiversity that we all have. Um, because I've totally been victim of diet culture, like probably a dozen times in my 43 years, you know, like I've jumped into something, um, that didn't give me, it may have given me the result that I was looking for at the time, but it definitely was not sustainable. And like you said, when the diet was over, things went back to hell again, you know, like, and that the real answer to that is teaching you to listen and love oh. what's going on with your body, regardless of what's going on with the diet and the Lori, food, right? As your best friend watching from the outside, like you got sick, really sick. Yeah. Like, and that was hard to watch. Yeah. Cause I was like, shit, I don't know what to do. And on the know? other side of like being really sick and losing organs, you know, like that, I can see now that that had everything to do with like how hyper-focused I was on the fact that it was working and I was losing weight, you know, and more and more I liked the way I looked, but it was not sustainable. And that this idea of listening to, and then, like I said, coming back around full circle to this idea that like a body is a body. Like there are big bodies, there are small bodies, there are lean bodies, there are not lean bodies, you know, like, and that everybody wants to be healthy and that a healthy body looks different on every single human. Like if you took all of us and you fed us exactly the same thing for our entire lives, we would still have different bodies. And you know who taught me that? Julie freaking Murphy. Like, you know, like that it is, you know, that your body is worthy of being loved no matter what the condition of it is. And that that is something that like, yeah, I still struggle with, but in being a health coach, How do you help people learn to listen to their body? Well, part of it is when you're going to eat, like noticing what you're going to eat, like, or noticing what craving you had before you went to eat or what thought you had, the thoughts is a big thing. Mm. And it can be just writing in a journal, you know, if it's already a planned meal, fine. But like, if you're just like, oh, I have a craving for chocolate or, oh, I have a craving for this, you know, start paying attention to the thoughts in your head a lot of times we might think something bad about ourselves or bad mm-hmm. about something that's going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to solve a problem like emotional eating, as opposed to eating because we need it for nourishment. So that's one thing is pay attention to the thoughts that you're thinking before you go eat. And you can have a journal writing those thoughts down because a lot of times when we're just going randomly for some food and it's not like a meal time, it is because, you know, we're trying to control our emotions and that's the way that we often do it. So I think that that's very important, paying attention to 
um, our thoughts and then how that relates to the food that's on our plate, um, just to be more conscious of that. Because oftentimes we're not taught, I don't know about you guys, but I sure wasn't taught how to handle my emotions as a kid. And so that's been like a lifelong journey. (laughs) I mean, look at us, clearly not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I love that. I do realize so much though, that like the compulsive eating or like the emotional eating, like you're talking about, it is cyclical. And the more that you scale out and realize that, oh, it's when I feel like this, that I go for that, you know, and that eating kind of becomes like this form of punishment almost, you know, like it is this self-defeating punishment cycle that goes in and everything. It's almost annoying how everything just comes down to like, how are you feeling right now? You know, like (laughs) figure out your feelings before you fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then after you go eat, then you keep beating yourself up even more and feel even worse about yourself because you're like, oh my gosh, I just had all this Halloween candy or I just had this or that. And it's like, you're right. It just goes in a circle. It's really interesting. And, you know, in this conversation of financial coaching and health coaching, we also talked about like, it is kind of the same though, because it's not about the numbers. It's about the emotions that you're not willing to deal with and what you use in place of like actually feeling this stuff. And that might be spending or that might be food, you know, or it might be acting out or it might, you know, like it's all, it might be gambling. Like there's lots of things that we use in place of like fully feeling and processing our emotions, um, which is so cool that that's found itself in your world with the finances and with the being healthy. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree more. I'm actually getting ready to run a challenge called it's not about the numbers because it's not the numbers on the scale or the number of your gene size, um, or it's not your credit score, you know, or right. the number in your bank account. It really is about your mindset. And if you don't have it now, like if you don't start from where you are and love yourself right now, you're not going to love yourself at the end of it when you pay mm-hmm. off the debt or when you yeah. um, lose the weight, you're still going to have the same body image issues. And I can a hundred percent like attest to that, yeah. you know, um, if I hated myself when I was overweight, I still hated myself and found things to critique when I was underweight. Yeah. Damn. Um, so we have not talked about, you were just talking about the running challenge that you are also a marathon runner. Like talk about mindset control, <laughs> you know, like I am fascinated by people who can run marathons. Uh, one of our last guests, Laura also, you know, like does the marathon thing. So Mm -hmm. how did that come about and how did you develop a mindset that allows you to like push through an entire marathon? So the, the marathon absolutely came about from paying off the debt. That's where it started. Um, because I have never been a runner and I certainly didn't think of myself as a runner, before I ran the marathon, I had never run anything less than a marathon. So I just decided to start out big, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And it was funny. I think the first two, maybe three times I signed up for a marathon, didn't make it. Like I, crazy things happened. Like I fractured my ankle and was like bruised up to my knee. All these weird things happened. And then I started a visualization practice. And I don't really know where this came from, but I would just picture myself crossing that finish line and what it would feel like, who would be there to celebrate with me, having that Michelob Ultra at the end of the run, you know, <laughs> like right. all the things. Um, and I just kept picturing it. And then it was just like, okay. So for me, um, miles were intimidating. 
So I had to do it by time. So I'd like, mm. okay, today I'm going to go out and run or walk for 30 minutes and that's it. And I wouldn't beat myself up if I had to walk, you know? So every day, 30 minutes every day, I would go out and do it. Now, everybody doesn't have to go that hard, but for the first month, I just wanted to get in a habit for mm -hmm. it. So weekdays, 30 minutes, weekends, 45 minutes. And then I would just kind of slowly bump it up. But for me, time was not intimidating, but miles were intimidating. And I think that along with the visualization is what got me to the marathon. I love, That's pretty genius. Yeah, that you shifted from miles to minutes. Like the changing oh your perspective God. of something on a detail that small could actually make all the difference in the world. Yeah. Like I see that. Um, well, because yeah, it takes I, away the intimidation. Factor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause people I know who marathon and run like that, when they tell me the miles they do, I'm like, Oh hell no. Mm -mm. But I don't know if you were like, Jessica, let's go on a 30, 45 minute walk. I'd be like, cool, let's do it. But I mean, if you were like, yeah. let's go for five miles or whatever, I don't know. I'd be like, absolutely, absolutely not. No, like I won't <laughs> like, do it. No. Yes. And I think it's no, not punishing yourself. You know what I mean? Right. No matter what you do out there, like do not punish yourself. Mm -hmm. And something else that helped me was every day when I got home from work, I would change into my clothes and then immediately go running. So I did mm -hmm. it at the same time every day. And then if I didn't feel like running, I would be like, okay, just get changed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then once I was changed, I'm like, well, I'm already in my clothes. Yeah. I might as well yeah. go. <laughs> but just kind of setting yourself up for success just with like easy little tricks like that. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, brilliant. That's though. cool. Yeah. Um, the routine of it, you know, is so important in putting it into practice. But I also love how all of your suggestions also reel back into this idea of like, don't beat yourself up. Like, don't punish yourself if it doesn't turn out the way you want it to. Like you said, you didn't make it through the first couple of marathons. Like, because I know me, like I... I go hard when I want to do something like that. And then when it, it's like, oh, or nothing. And then when I'm crippled and I can't walk because I just tried to run 13 miles from never being able to run one, like, I'm like, okay, so marathoning is not for me, you know, and just like tap out on it. And that you, your gradual process to, to this and this really forgiving, loving place that you come from with yourself is the reason why you're able to achieve these things. It's really awesome and makes you a great coach. Hell yeah. <laughs> thank you and it's so funny because my personality is much like yours and that usually I just go like all in like full steam but I don't know where I come up with this but it, worked. <laughs> it ended up working <laughs> well that's really cool it totally is cool I wonder what you will do next like so here's like Marie law enforcement financial coach health coach marathon runner like what's next for you in, uh, in your grand scheme of accomplishing awesome things? Definitely some type of like badass adventure retreats or like a gather and plan mm. retreat, something like that, where we're going to be outdoors doing like physical, something physical, like hiking, or, um, maybe it's even like, I don't know. I don't know. My mind just went blank, but <laughs> you know what oh, just came yeah, to me yeah. was like, um, like a ropes course or like some yeah. sort of like team agility course or something, yeah. or like free falling from 20 feet up or something <laughs> crazy, you know, like that I can see, I can see you taking people through and helping them achieve these physical things that they didn't know they were capable of. Um, and giving them a lot of power to be able to step into their lives and accomplish great things. So mm. Maybe it's a badass yeah. retreat or something like, Maybe. come on, Marie. where should we do this? 
I mean, I yeah. have a few ideas. <laughs> Just say retreat to me once before I'm like, okay, let's do it. Don't say the word <laughs> retreat to Laurie because she's like, all right, when do you want to go? I'm like, I'm making it happen. Now. Um, yeah, she's look, she's already Googling things. I can't no, help it. I'm kidding. Um, okay. So I'm going to throw in a curveball here. Yeah. This was not brought up Ooh, in like our it. pre-interview or anything, but like seriously, just on my heart and on my mind. Um, so knowing that you're a police officer, um, and you have this ordinary to badass podcast and for our listeners, keep in mind, I don't know Marie very well at all. I don't know your background in law enforcement. I don't know how long you have been serving your community or what section of law enforcement you work in. I literally know nothing. Um, because Laurie and I have a friend who, you know, is incarcerated Mm. and, um, you know, it was a big lesson for us that like sometimes, really good people make really bad decisions. And so, I mean, in your experience, like, have you seen like in your line of work, this shift, or do you have any words of encouragement or advice for people who have maybe been in trouble, go from an ordinary to a badass that have like been in trouble in your line of work? Like a redemption story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you experienced that with anybody? Um, I mean, people sometimes will come back later or like write a letter later and be like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you completely helped me get out of this situation or I completely changed after that incident. So it definitely happens. But like, I also think that people think that we just automatically know, like we have some computer running in our head and we automatically know if somebody's been in trouble before, Mm. Yeah, (laughs) like that we automatically assume the worst of them. That is not true. It's absolutely not true. And I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but the people that I work with, you know? Um, And so really typically we're respectful to people until they're not respectful to us, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not like just because you have a criminal record or something, that doesn't mean anything bad about you. We've all made mistakes. We've all been down in the dirt or had just crappy things happen to us. Yes, some people are worse than others Mm -hmm. or had a worse situation than others. But I think it kind of comes back to that emotions piece. Yeah. Like to be paying attention to the to your emotions, to pay attention to the stories that you're telling yourself in your head. Because just because it happened once doesn't mean that it has to happen again or that it can't change. But it's also surrounding yourself by other badasses like you guys and looking to people who have done something that you want to do and start doing those type of things or start having them in your ear, you know, like they can listen to badass ladies club podcast and get inspiration from that and see how you guys have done things. So I think that's so important. So important. Um, I know what was so impactful for me about our friend who's incarcerated is that when all of the circumstances came down and then she ended up in this really serious trouble that I saw myself in her, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, Oh my God, like that could have been me so many times. And I was just really fortunate and lucky, you know, that it wasn't that it gave me this sense of like how precious life and opportunities are, you know? And that, um, that we do kind of like gamble with our freedom sometimes and with the opportunities that we have. Mm -hmm. And that in some cases that should not work out so well, you know, like that it is really, really hard. And 
I know it just gave me a lot of compassion and empathy for people who are in situations now where they are having to serve a sentence or, you know, like operate in that system that I know nothing about, but that I very well could have been a part of, you know, like in a lot of circumstances and that that has got to be a really telling thing to be in law enforcement and to see that, you know, like on the daily, um, and having that compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of us could have easily been in that situation, you know, like it's like, sometimes it's just one little turn or one little thing that happens and it completely changes the trajectory of your life. Yeah. And so that might be for something bad or it could be for something good, but it's just like the smallest of things sometimes. So absolutely everybody is human beings and it's so easy to, you know, to go down the wrong path or have something happen, but sometimes there's also pretty cool stories or pretty cool things that can come from that. Would I have ever thought that $106,000 in debt would be a cool thing? Right. You know, in the time it felt miserable. Right. So, and I'm not comparing that specifically to like being in jail. No, but as it relates to your story, like, yeah, it's pretty incredible. You can have crappy things and be in horrible situations, but then how inspiring could you be to some kid that's going down the wrong path and they see how you were able to change. Like that would be pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love a good redemption story. It's always so good. I just feel it coming like with our friend. Oh yeah. No, like like, our story ain't over yet. Like there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of growth in all of that. Tell me what is, cause you have been podcasting longer than we have like twice as long. I think, tell me what is your favorite part of hosting a podcast? Meeting so many cool people honestly, like I'm an introvert. So I don't typically, I I mean, I've gotten better, but it's not something that I just go out and meet people and talk to people all the time, you know? So this has given me such a way to meet people that I would not have had a chance to meet. Same. You know, like I met, um, Catherine Switzer who ran the first, she was the first woman to run the Boston marathon. Okay. It was so stinking cool. Like what other way would I have had to talk to Catherine Switzer, you know? Um, so like a podcast gives you that opportunity. So I'm like, Oh, that's freaking cool. Like sometimes like after I get to meet people, it's really inspiring. Yeah. Podcasting is also like this experiment in consistency too, you know, like that podcasts that have consistent episodes that launch weekly or, you know, even more than once a week do a lot better and that the average podcast does not make it very far before they burn out on the consistency part of it. So what do you think is it that makes you so consistent, you know, and been able to hang in for as long as you have? Part of it, I'm stubborn. I've always been super (laughs) stubborn. (laughs) So if I'm focused on something, I'm just going to, you know, keep going. But um, I also think maybe part of this is Kathy Heller. You mentioned her about being the badass of the week. It's like, my job is not to judge what I'm doing. It's just to put my head down and do it. Mm. You know, I'll put out the work and the universe can handle it from there, but mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about what the outcome is. I'm just going to do the work and, you know, then we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. I love that. Um, and you're so right. Like that's exactly what Kathy does. It's exactly what you're doing. It's what we're striving to do every time we put out an episode. So thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story. Um, and for shining a light on so many cool people on your podcast, like it's just, 
I love the name of your, your podcast, but I'm saying like something about you tells me that you were never really ordinary, like that you were always <laughs> like this badass that just needed to break out a little bit. Um, we've super loved having you here and we're like forever podcast badass sisters. Yes. Okay? Like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And thank you so much. It's been so fun coming on and talking to you guys. Yes. Aww. You guys can check out Marie's podcast, ordinary to badass. She's on Apple, Spotify, anywhere that you download podcasts from check it out. Cause she's had so many cool guests and there's so many great stories of inspiration about how to overcome your circumstances and do great things in this and world. And Laurie was on there. And I was on her podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like you can check out our episode. It was so much fun. You guys, it's weird being on somebody else's podcast. Actually. Um, <laughs> I was laughing when I was listening to it. I was like, dang, I am mouthy. Like listen to me go off. Like it was, but it was great fun. It was badass. It was badass for sure. You guys like rate review this episode, send it to all of your friends. We love you so much and have a badass day. 